death for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're aware of that as we enter into this message today. We give you the honor and the praise and the glory for anything good that's said or done here. In Jesus' name, amen. You, you can be seated. Open your Bibles to Matthew, the fifth chapter, if you would, in the tenth verse. Matthew, the fifth chapter, in the tenth verse. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Of course, we are remembering the persecuted church today. I think that is an honorable and good thing to do. How about you? Jesus said that a person, a Christian, is blessed when they're persecuted for righteousness' sake. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice Revelation, the sixth chapter, and the ninth verse. The Apostle John, in his heavenly vision, in the book of Revelation, in his last week we showed you from the Word of God who is worthy to open the book. It was Jesus. And when he opened, this is Revelation 6, 9, when he opened the fifth seal, John saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the Word of God and for the testimony which they held. These are martyrs. Again, if you don't know what a martyr is, it's a person that's put to death for what they believe. And John saw the the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. And in verse 10, they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And so, of course, you see that those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, theirs is the kingdom of heaven and there's great reward for them. Now, you know... As it pertains to the persecuted church, who, who suffers persecution? Who, who, who suffers persecution? Well, notice in John 15 and verse 20, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is speaking, and he says, Remember the word that I said to you. This is John 15, verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So who will suffer persecution? Well, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. A servant. If you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to be persecuted. Because we're not above our master, the Lord Jesus. And then in 2 Timothy 3 verse 12... The Apostle Paul writes at the end of that verse, 2 Timothy 3.12, and he says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's no way for a servant of the Lord Jesus 
There's no way for a Christian who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus to avoid suffering persecution. You need to realize that. It is going to happen. It's the Word of God. You understand that? And that's uh, just something we need to realize. But we serve a big God. And He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Is that right? Now, in Hebrews 13, verse 3, I believe the Apostle Paul was the author of Hebrews. And he says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Well, if you were chained up to somebody, handcuffed to them, you wouldn't, you wouldn't forget about them, would you? <laughs> They're right there with you. And so we're supposed to remember the persecuted Christians throughout the world as if we were chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are also in the body. See, if you're a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in the body of Christ just like they are as believers. And so we're in the same body. And you know as well as I do that if your little toe is hurting, your hand is aware of it. Is that right? Or if you break your leg, how many of you know it'll affect, it'll affect the rest of your body, won't it? So we're supposed to remember the prisoners as if chained with them. So I want to do that here. I think it does us good to remember what some of the Christians and believers on the Lord who have gone before us have, have, have went through. Notice in, in Hebrews 11 verse 32. Hebrews 11 verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me, fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Jephna and David... Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Now, does anybody know who he's talking about there? Daniel. Daniel spent the night in the lion's den, didn't he? Ferocious lions. And now, I will say this. As you look into the Bible, as you look into history, sometimes believers are delivered through the persecution. Thank God when that happens. But that doesn't always happen. Well, why doesn't it all why why isn't everybody always miraculously delivered? I can't give you a thorough and a complete answer on that. I can give you some some pieces of light on it, which I'll share here in a moment, but but uh, I, I can't tell you completely why. I do know that when someone is martyred for the Lord Jesus if, they're, if that person, if that Christian is really in the will of God, that when they're martyred, put to death for him, they will affect other people around them in that, for example, Stephen, when he was put to death, how many remember Stephen? He was the first recorded martyr that we have in the Bible. They stoned him. He was a martyr. And somebody was holding the coats of the stoners. Does anybody know who was holding the coats of the stoners? Saul, who watched Stephen die a martyr's death. Stephen wasn't delivered. He went through a stoning for his faith in the Lord Jesus. 
But Saul watched that, and it affected him, I believe, to the point that when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, that along with Jesus appearing to him and what he saw Stephen go through, and Stephen died very valiantly and maintained his faith, that it affected Saul, and thus he got born again and became Paul. So when someone dies a martyr's death, and they're in the will of God. I believe Stephen was in the will of God. It affected Saul for the good. Can you say amen to that? But I don't know why some are miraculously delivered and others go through to the death. But thank God they go to heaven. Praise the Lord. And they're, we just read about them a moment ago. They're in good shape, aren't they? But notice, stop the mouths of lions. Daniel is what that's talking about. And then notice, quench the violence of fire. That's talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those three that they refused to bow down? And they weren't exempted from the fire. But Jesus was with them. Remember, the fourth man was in that fiery furnace. Jesus was with them. God doesn't exempt us from going through the fire all the time, but he'll be with us in the midst. Sometimes you come out on the other side, as in this case, they didn't even smell a smoke. And then you have testimonies of others that, that they're consumed and they die for the Lord. But they're in good shape, aren't they? They're in heaven with Him. So not, every, not, not everybody's delivered miraculously. But thank God all wind up in heaven with Him. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were, watch this, tortured. Not accepting deliverance. There's something else you see in, in the martyrs. That, that they're tortured. And in, in, in many cases they're given the opportunity to renounce Jesus and if you renounce Jesus then we won't torture you we'll we'll let you live and again and again you see or as you study the martyrs throughout the past centuries they refuse to recant their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ but they continue to believe on him they will not accept deliverance they're willing to die for the sake of Christ why that they may obtain a what better Resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Tradition says that Isaiah the prophet was placed inside of a hollow log. And he was, that log was sawn in half. They sawed him in two. They were tempted, slain with the sword. I think of many you could think of. John the Baptist. He had his head cut off for the cause of Christ, didn't he? Here's the man who said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And yet, later we see him beheaded in prison. Why didn't God deliver him from the prison? I don't know. But I know where he is now. He, he, we just read about him. He's under the throne of God. He's in good shape, isn't he? 
They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. I think you ought to underline that or mark that somehow in your Bible if you can. Of whom the world was not worthy. Has anyone ever heard of Fox's Book of the Martyrs? It's a book, if you've never heard of it, I'd recommend you get it and read it. It it, it goes through and highlights many of the martyrs over the last centuries, and you read through that. And by the time you get done reading that book, you just, the world was not worthy of, of, of so many that have lived and have had such great faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder oft of myself if I was placed under the kind of persecution some of those that have gone before us were placed under, would I fare as well? And I think that's something we all ought to ask, all ought to, ought to ask of ourselves. If they gun to your head, you're going to renounce Jesus or are you going to die? And you won't know the answer to that question until that gun is cocked and put to your head. Do you know that that's the God's honest truth? I'd like to say I would never deny him. I know that I wouldn't. I wouldn't pull the trigger. I continue to believe on the Lord Jesus. But you don't find out until... Sobering, isn't it? Of whom the world was what? Not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. I think of Stephen. We've we've already mentioned him. The Bible tells us that he was stoned to death for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. James, the brother of John, the Bible tells us he was the first of the twelve apostles to be martyred. He was killed with the sword, likely beheaded and tradition tells us that when James was taken to be beheaded he had such faith and he 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 showed such faith and maintained such faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that one of the executioners that took him to cut his head off he was so moved by James's faith in the Lord Jesus and James refused to recant that the executioner repented and gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ and put his head down on the chopping block and died alongside of James. Think of that. Peter, the apostle, tradition tells us, because the Bible doesn't say, so we go back in history and we study, and Peter, Jesus told him how he would die when he was old. And uh, but but wasn't specific. Just just told him he'd 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 be old and he would would die and he'd be taken where he didn't want to go, and all of that. But as you study into it, Peter uh, was incarcerated in before he was put to death in what what's known as Mamertine prison. I believe it was in Rome, and being sentenced to to that prison to be held there was in and of itself typically a death sentence. And Peter was, I'm talking about the one who said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He was brutally tortured there. Yet he shared the gospel with those guarding him. 
And when he was sentenced to be crucified, he requested it be upside down as he thought not worthy to be crucified as was his Lord, the Lord Jesus, right side up. And they crucified Peter upside down. Why didn't the Lord deliver him? All who will live godly in Christ Jesus will what? Suffer persecution. Is Peter doing okay right now? Oh, he's doing good. We just read about him all ago. The Apostle Philip was stoned and crucified. Matthew was pinned to the ground and beheaded. Andrew, unwilling to recant his faith, and all of these unwilling to recant their faith, but Andrew, unwilling to recant his faith in Jesus, was crucified on an X-shaped cross. After being whipped severely by soldiers, they tied his body to the cross with cords to prolong his agony. His followers reported that when he was led toward that cross, Andrew said these words, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. And he continued as he hung there for between two to three days before he died. He preached the gospel to his tormentors as well as to others who would pass by. Think of that. Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas, yet the first one to say after the resurrection to Jesus, my Lord and my God, he was thrown into a fiery oven. And struck through with spears. Bartholomew was flayed. What does that mean? They took a whip and they beat him with the whip and stripped his skin off. And when that didn't kill him, they crucified him. Pastor, why are you reading this? We came today to be lifted up and encouraged. We need to listen to these kinds of things from time to time, dear friends. We should never forget these people and what they've gone through. We are so spoiled here in the United States of America. I don't know about you, but this kind of preaching sobers me up just a little bit. To think about what these people went through, and yet I've run into Christians over the last 25, 30 years, will actually complain Because the room is a little too warm, or the room is a little too hot, or the seats are a little too soft, or they're a little too hard. Shame on such people. I said shame on such people. The Apostle John was the only one of the twelve. To die a nonviolent death. Old man. But yet before he was exiled to Patmos. Because of his testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. They boiled him in oil. And when they dipped him down. Usually when that happened. And they brought him back up. Just about the only thing that was left. Was the bones. The skeletal bones. But when they brought John back up out. He came out the way he went in. Unharmed and unscathed. Can you say amen? Now why did that happen? God delivered him. Had something else for him to do. 
And so when they couldn't kill him through the oil, they put him on Patmos. They exiled him. And he got the revelation that's the last book of the Bible. And went on, I believe, to write 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. James, the half-brother of Jesus, the pastor who wrote the book of James, was thrown off the temple tower and beaten with clubs. Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, the great physician that traveled with the Apostle Paul, they hung him from an olive tree. Mark, who wrote the gospel account, remember Matthew, Mark, as a result of speaking out against the idol worshippers of Alexandria in Egypt, he was tied with ropes and drugged behind horses through the cobblestone streets of Alexandria until dead. Timothy, the young pastor that Paul groomed as he got older and was about 80 years old, somewhere in there, he rebuked the Ephesian pagans over their idolatry. And they beat him with clubs and drug him through the streets. And then when that didn't kill him, they stoned him to death. And then, of course, we have the Apostle Paul who started out as Saul. We talked about him a moment ago. And he was a persecutor of the church. But, of course, he saw Stephen die, that martyr's death. And then the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And he got born again. And he became Paul. And the Lord said to Ananias, said, you know, I'm going to show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. Again, we're so spoiled here in the United States of America. We've not known persecution in this nation like, at least in my days, like they have in days gone by in other places of the world. And the Apostle Paul did suffer, suffer much. He said he was in prison frequently, beaten severely, exposed to death again and again. Five times he received from the Jews 39 lashes with a whip. Think of that. Do the math. Three times he said, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and left for dead. He said he was delivered from the lion's mouth. You need to realize that apparently the Apostle Paul was thrown into the, into the Colosseum at one point. That's what they did to Christians back there then. Uh, they'd throw them into the Colosseum and the, and, and the heathens of that day would gather. And they didn't have football like we do today. They'd throw the Christians into the arena and wild beasts and lions and whatnot would come out and eat the Christians. And these Christians, they refused to renounce the Lord Jesus. You see, they really believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet Paul was delivered. But at a ripe old age, when his ministry here on the earth was over, and he said, I've finished my race, I've, I, I, I've kept the faith, they took him out and Nero had him beheaded. Do we need to feel sorry for Paul? No, he's doing real good right now. He's in heaven. Can you say amen? And you know, what a testimony of the gospel. 
What a great proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think of it. Many of these that we read here, they saw Jesus that we read about here, or that I told you about here. They saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. And, and all of these people, they could have saved their lives by, by just, just denying Jesus. But think about it. They saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead, and they refused to deny him. Why? Because they know that he walked out of that tomb. Glory to God. And they would not save themselves, and in many cases their family members as well. They would not renounce Jesus. And it's a great testimony to my heart that Jesus is alive and well. And if you got Fox's Book of the Martyrs and read it, you could read about other such, such Christians in the first century church and on down over the ages. One such that I have here in my notes is Nero, the Roman emperor. I just mentioned him. He would have Christians, because of their faith in Jesus, he would have them sewn inside animal skins and fed to the dogs. He would dress Christians in wax clothes and set them on fire to provide light for his parties and had Christians fed to lions. I tell you what, I wouldn't want to trade places with Nero right now. Because unless he repented and there's no record that he did, he's in hell right now. And will be there for eternity. The Christians that he tormented and put to death are doing, they're doing mighty fine right now. We read about them earlier. It's interesting, Polycarp, he was the, uh, an early church leader. He was given a chance to renounce Christ or be burnt at the stake. And he replied, he said, for 86 years I've served Jesus. He's never wronged me once. How can I blaspheme my Lord who has saved me? And then they burnt him at the stake. Interesting. And quite moving. I don't have these in my notes, but the dark ages when the Bible was kept out of the hands of the common man. They kept it written, I believe, in Latin where no one could understand it. And then Tyndale and Wycliffe and others came along. And they worked and gave their lives to have this holy book translated so that the common man could read it. And it cost them their lives and they were burned at the stake. I'm so thankful and grateful for such men and women who stood up for Jesus. And they refused to renounce the Lord Jesus Christ. They would rather die than, than say that he's not Lord. And as I've been saying, here in the United States, we've had little or no persecution compared 
compared to what I've just told you about. But I have noticed over the last eight years, seven and a half years, I have noticed the persecution to be on the rise against Christians here in the United States. And I had said back 15 or so years ago at the direction of the Holy Spirit that if things continued on, I I could see it on out as I pray. I could see it on out. Back 15 years ago, I could see it. And of course, we've come up on it now in the last seven and a half years where I could see that there would come a time where ministers of the gospel would stand in their pulpits and read from this holy book and read First Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And when that minister stands and says, nor homosexuals, that there'll be police officers or military people standing back at the door. And we'll come in and take that minister and handcuff him and take him to prison. People laughed at me when I said that back there 15 years ago. They're not laughing at me anymore. Because we're right up on that. You see businesses throughout the United States that have been sued in the courts for refusing... To deny their conscience and their faith. They refuse to make a cake for a same-sex wedding. The bakers will make them cookies for other stuff. They just won't do it for a same-sex wedding. They refuse to make the cake. And they find them and threaten them and some of them have had to close their businesses that's persecution dear friends and that's just the tip of the iceberg and if things don't change in this nation and I could go on and on and on I'm just but if things don't change in this nation That is just the tip of the iceberg. And you'll see it get worse and worse and worse. And you'll see the day come where a minister reads what I just read from this holy book. And they'll come in and they'll and take me and others like me out. To prison. 
But I tell you today with everything that I have in my heart that I will never, ever stop preaching this book. And if they take me to jail, and if they cut off my head, I will declare the word of God. I will continue to preach this book even if the only one left to listen to me is my wife. And if she walks out, I will still preach the word of God. Uncompromised and unapologetic. Do you hear me? Dear friends, we're at a serious time in this nation. The last election and the one before that. If the Christians would just go out and vote in line with this book. Every election could be won in a landslide for righteousness. 75 of the 75 the last time I checked the number 75% of Christians are either not registered or they're registered and they don't vote. And many times Christians when they do go vote they don't vote this book they vote their pocketbook or some other thing. And then we wonder why the nation is in the shape that it's in. Well, if something doesn't change, persecution and the things I read about today are not too far-fetched for what's going to happen in this nation. Did you hear what I just said? The things I just read about with people having their heads cut off, we're talking about... You know, we're talking about a, a fine, a fine, you know, from the court, a fine, a financial. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just where it starts. And if Christians don't stand up and cause a change in this nation, I'm telling you, the time will come where, as I've said, handcuffs to prison, but it won't stop there. You'll see some of these things like what I just talked about. Sobering, isn't it? Don't you think it's time the Christians of this nation stood up and voted in line with this book? Can you say amen? I know about you, but I love this book. That's why if you come here, I'm going to give it to you. This book. I've been criticized over the years for teaching too much out of the Bible. Pastor, just, just, just read a scripture and then tell us a story and get us out in, in 15 or 20 minutes. I refuse to do that. I'm going to give you chapter and verse, chapter and verse, chapter, chapter, chapter and verse. And I hope that I wear your Bibles out and I hope that I wear your little fingers out, whether it's in the book or on your tablet, because some people have the Bible on their phone or tablet. I hope I wear your device out. I hope I wear your fingers out looking up scriptures. 
Well, that's just boring. Well, it, it really isn't if you understand that the Word of God, this book, is the only thing that can give you real life. Did you hear what I just said? So, think about what I just said. And go into that voting booth this Tuesday, having sought the Lord, and go in there. I don't tell people how to vote. That's not my business or who to vote for. I tell you, you ought to vote in line with this word. Is that fair? I don't like either candidate. I'm not going to vote for either one. Well, you're missing it. You go out there and you vote. You vote in line with this word. And we can take our nation back from the devil. And it's doable. Did you hear what I just said? Somebody said, well, you shouldn't be talking about those things in the pulpit. Remember separation of church and state. No, people that say that don't have a clue what they're talking about. Separation of church and state was not put in there to keep the church out of the government's business. It was put in there to keep the government out of the church's business. And we as Christians ought to have our nose stuck in the government's business. And the way this is really set up, is it, the way the founding fathers set it up, was for uh, the Christians to be in the office of the president and vice president and secretary of state and so on and so forth. And then, and then when the righteousness rule, the people rejoice. Can you say amen? But apathy has set in amongst the church. And so, so many don't go vote. Christians don't go vote. And you see what you get. You okay? You still love me? All right. Well, even if you don't, I'm not taking it back. (laughs) You know, something else that I've seen, men of God, women of God, listen to me, that stand behind this pulpit, whether it's this one or on radio, television, whatever it is. Now, I've watched this change over the years. There's some exceptions, but... I've watched this. And so many men of God aren't flames of fire anymore. When a man or a woman of God stands in this pulpit, they should come in at the direction of the Holy Spirit. They should come armed with the Word of God and with the love of God. And they should come in here and preach as the oracles of God. They should let the Holy Ghost flow out of them, the Word of God flow out of them. And it should bring conviction where conviction needs to be brought. It should burn stuff off of you that needs to be burned off. It should encourage you where you need to be encouraged. And men and women of God ought to be men and women of God, flames of fire, saying, Thus saith the Lord... That makes anybody that's not living right nervous, including the politicians in Washington, D.C. This holy desk ought to preach to the Oval Office. Can you say amen? amen? Yes, sir. And that's one of the problems we have in this nation is too many pastors up trying to entertain people, wanting everybody to love them and like them. You okay? Well, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to do my best to proclaim, thus saith the Lord. I'm going to do my best. All right, let's close with this. Three things to do when persecuted. First of all, rejoice. Real loud, say rejoice. Matthew 5, 11. 
Jesus said, Matthew 5, 11, three things to do when persecuted. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. See, we read about that just a while ago. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So what's the first thing we do when persecution hits? What do we do? Real loud, say rejoice. Rejoice. First thing is we rejoice. Why? Because Jesus said so. Okay? The next thing we do is we trust God for deliverance. 2 Timothy 3.11. Let's go there. 2 Timothy 3.11. Paul is writing and he says persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. But out of them, what? All the Lord, what? Delivered me. Thank God when he delivers us and we can believe for that and trust God for that. Some didn't get delivered. I don't know all the reasons why, but I do know they're with the Lord right now. You you understand that. We've made that clear. So the first thing is what? Say rejoice. And then the second thing, we trust God for deliverance. And then the third thing we do when we're persecuted is is we pray. Notice Matthew 5:44. Notice Matthew 5:44. Jesus said He said, "But I say to you, love your enemies." Has anybody ever found that hard to do besides me? <laughs> Why do you love your enemies? Cuz Jesus said so. You don't need anything more than that. He said it, do it, right? He said, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. So what did he say do? He said, pray for, didn't he? Didn't he? What did he say on the cross when he was hanging there? He said, Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. How about Stephen? When he was being martyred, you can read it in the book of Acts. He, He cried out to God. He said, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Remember that? So that's how we need to to react. And then something else, and this gets overlooked. And this will help answer, at least in part, why some people, Christians, are delivered from persecution and some aren't. Now, it's not the complete answer, but it's a part, part. Go to Acts 12, and then I'll begin to close this up. Acts 12, verse 1. Now, watch this. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. We read about that. I told you about that earlier. And So notice, what did he do? He took James and he killed him with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison. Now, now, what did he do to Peter? He put him in prison and delivered him to the four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was kept in prison, but, but what, but what, but what, but what, but what, what, constant what, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Do you see that? You ought to mark that. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between the, the two soldiers. Think about that sleeping. I wonder if I'd have been able to sleep at that point. Knowing that tomorrow my head was probably going to be cut off. You know the one thing Peter did have. Jesus told him he'd live to be an old man. 
So he, how many would have been thinking about that if you'd have been in there between the, Lord, you promised me I'm going to make it to be an old man, right? So not only did he have that, he's sleeping, but what did he have, what was the church doing for him? Praying. Now, I don't have record that they were praying for James. And James got his head cut off. But they were praying for Peter. How many of you know prayer by the church makes a difference, doesn't it? Why do some get delivered and some don't? Why do some get delivered out of persecution and some don't? Well, perhaps there's nobody praying. Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Verse 5, verse 6. Herod was about to bring him out. That night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between soldiers. The guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. A light shone in the prison, struck Peter on the side, raised him, saying, Arise quickly. His chains fell off his hands. He got out of there, and he was delivered. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Why did that happen? Because the church was praying. Why did James, why, was, why wasn't he delivered, Pastor Terry? The, I don't have a record. The church is praying for him. Boy, our prayers make a big difference, don't they? So, how do you pray for the persecuted church? First, you pray for those being persecuted, that God would deliver them, like with Peter, that their faith fail not, and they'd have strength to endure. How do you pray for the persecutors, that they'd get saved? Because remember Saul, he, he, he was persecuting the church, he got saved, he became Paul, and he stopped persecuting. Did you get anything out of this today? Stand with me if you would. We're going to pray for the persecuted church, and then we're going to be dismissed. Just, just take another minute or two. I preached a little long today, but I'm not going to apologize for it. I think you needed to hear what I had to say. Stand with me if you would. Just bow your heads. If you're standing next to your spouse or child or somebody like that, go ahead and grab their hands and and let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We pray for those being persecuted throughout the world. Christians. Those that believe in you. and The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. We pray for them. That you would deliver them. Just like the church prayed for Peter. And you delivered him. So we pray for those that are being persecuted in this hour. That you'd move as you need to move, as you see fit to deliver them. We pray that those being persecuted, that their faith would not fail, and that you would give them strength to endure, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. We pray and serve concerning those doing the persecuting. You said that we should pray for them. And I believe the best prayer for them is that they'd get saved. And, sir, we know that you want them to get saved. And when they get saved, they'll stop being persecutors. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I pull down spiritual blindness on those that are persecuting Christians throughout the world. That they'd be able to see the error of their ways and they'd be able to see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And the light and the life and that, that, that darkness that Satan's blinded them with, we pull that down in Jesus' name. And Father, we ask that you would send the laborer across their path to minister Jesus to them in due season. And thus, persecution would cease. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. With heads bowed and eyes closed, listen carefully. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do that. The Bible is very clear. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And the only way to shun and miss hell and to make heaven is by 
with a repentant heart receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believing in your heart that God's raised Him from the dead and confessing Him with your mouth. And if you'll do that, Jesus will come into your heart. You'll get born again. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And in the meantime, He'll make life worth living. Maybe you're here today and you just think, well, life just isn't worth living anymore. Well, let Jesus change that for you. He, he, he'll do it for you. He'll change, your, he'll change your life. He'll make it worth living. So when we dismiss, if you, need to, if you need prayer, if you want to receive Jesus, maybe you're here and you've, you, you receive Him at one point, but you've gotten a little away from Him and you'd like to get back close to Him. All you've got to do is walk up here to the front. There's some men and women up here. They'll pray with you. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Maybe you just need somebody to talk to. Well, that's what these people are up here for. So if you need to come, you come. And I again want to encourage you, go out and let your voice be heard this Tuesday with your vote. Let's just slip our hands up to the Lord.